0: The blessings that happen to you can cause you to be a blessing to other people and never take that for granted because at the end of the day you don't know what you're going to do in the future but you can only do something today right now and just choose better for yourself this is the undefinables an exclusive Investec ahead of the curve
1: podcast series I am your host, Ulisani Ravele, and we're chatting to eight very out-of-the-ordinary South African professionals who are undefinable. They're changing the way people think of career paths as young professionals. And today, we're offering some of the hard lessons they've learned on their way to help you along on your own career path. Nandilepu, let's start with you. You actually started working on what would eventually become your creative agency, Mamagashaga, while you were still
2: employed full-time within the traditional ad agency world. I've always been very uncomfortable with um, definitions, simply because I've always felt I've had more to offer. So even when I was a producer, I still um, art directed, I still wrote copy. I still you know, mingled in things that people didn't necessarily think a producer should be handling, but... The companies that I've always worked for always appreciated the versatility of their staff members and their team. So how and when did you know it was time to start your own thing? So I got to a stage where I started doing the passion projects in parallel to my nine to five. So I'm busy making things happen for people on the one hand, which is the nine to five. And then from like six to like 2 a.m. is me pursuing my own creative passions and urges. And it just got to a point where after I think five or six years of balancing between the two, something had to give. My passion projects had actually started to tip over and were becoming commercial successes. And I couldn't help but imagine if I'm spending 20, 30 percent of my time and my energy on these things and they're reaping these kinds of rewards, imagine what would happen if I gave them 20 more percent or 30 or 40 or, you know, worked on them all day. And really, that's when I made the decision to start my own company
1: so what you're talking about is when the side hustle became the main hustle but let's talk through the actual process of leaving the security of employment and starting up
2: the thing because let's be honest it's daunting i think we all have to trust the timing of things in our lives everybody lives to a very unique rhythm and i remember in my m- mid 20s, being relatively successful, and um, I still have a housemate named Lois Ogola. So he's a really, really good friend of mine. And it was, and he was constantly telling me, "Come on, you, you've got the talent, you've got the connections. Why don't you start your company now?" And I just, I just never felt ready. And it didn't matter what people said. I knew internally, it just, it hadn't tipped yet. You know, when you read about Malcolm Gladwell gladwell's tipping point and you begin to understand and like appreciate like how sometimes things it's a culmination of many different things and you just have to reach an organic tipping point and you can feel it like it's it's emotional and then you just know okay this is the time it's like there's an urgency to it as well like if i don't do it now like i'm really going to miss out on something i have to i have to be quite honest with you also i prepared mine is the longest resignation known to mankind i served a six-month resignation six months my friends were like how i was like they were like you tried two i was like no half a year half a year that's how long i need to make sure that i sit and be comfortable with this decision how did you know you were ready bunch of girlfriends and I had started this amazing property called the weekend social it was a really popular um, brunch come day party series which we hosted for four years and I think that alongside other smaller passion um, projects that I was um, doing I learned a lot about myself I learned a lot about what I can and cannot do I also had like I had the allowance to experiment because I had a nine to five job and security when I made a mistake it wasn't the end of the world and you know and I had serious responsibilities I'm also a mother so I had to tread carefully but back to trusting the timing um, of things in your life what ended up happening was my my the agency I was working with um, at the time um, offered me position as a managing director and I, I said yes I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't say yes to um, that kind of promotion? But I remember not feeling as excited as one should be at that level of promotion. I'm also quite spiritual, and I think there's something to giving up great opportunities in order to back yourself, that on some level the universe can't help but reward you on some level. I think that when you make... When you back yourself, when you make sacrifices for yourself, that's when really great and magical stuff gets to happen. But right alongside magic is preparation. You have to have your money um, in check. So there was that task of getting my savings um, ready. And then when the sixth month came, it was one of those ready or not, here we come. You know, they were ushering me out and I just had to do it. But I really think I trusted the timing of things in my life quite a bit and I prepared. I really did, I prepared. I was ready for it.
1: Wow, thank you Nandi. I mean, you've basically given us a step-by-step masterclass in how to transition your side hustle into a fully fledged business. And it also illustrates how you can and maybe should have a side hustle in the first place. I mean, if your 9 to 5 doesn't satisfy all the different aspects of your personality, and let's face it, when does it ever in 2018, then do it on the side. If you're listening to this podcast and it's moving you, making you think, making you look at how you define or don't define yourself, Investec Private Banking could be for a young professional like you. If you're under the age of 30, have a university degree, Working in your field of study and consistently earn more than 600,000 rand a year, you could qualify for our full private banking offering at a reduced fee. Just go to investtech.com slash undefinables for more. Now back to our podcast series. Dr. Sivu, you're a shining example of this as a doctor and also a radio personality and a social media celebrity and a bit of a fashion guru.
3: For me, one of the most interesting questions I've been asked in terms of on social media is, and I I kind of get this a lot from young medical students and it's always, hi Sivu, I'm a medical student but I also really love fashion or I also really love TV or I also really love doing this other thing. Um, it's And it's always like, how did you do it? How did you get there? And my answer to them is just, just do what you want to do. Um, don't worry about what the next person is going to say, although it sounds very cliche, but i always just give an example. When I was in varsity, and this was an undergrad, that's when I joined our our, our, our university radio station. Um, and at the time, I was the only medical student there. Um, and everyone else around me was asking me, like, do you have time to do this? Why are you doing this? Or you want to be famous? That's why you want to do it. And I'd, I'd always have a love for radio. I wanted to be on radio because I've got the voice, I think. But there there were a lot of negative individuals around me telling me that I can't do it and I just continued doing it because that's what I wanted to do and that's what I I, I tell the the, the kids that are growing up that are in medical school because those type of environments are very stringent, they're very archaic at times um, because even the professors that are teaching you don't really understand Um, and so for me overall it's just do what you want to do and do what you think you love and that will make you happy at the end of the day, because when you go to sleep, you're the only person that's there with you. It's you and your thoughts and no one else. And if you're not happy, then you're not living the life that you really want to live.
1: Touching on that subject, Anthony, you have a similar story to share about starting in one thing and letting that lead to another thing, and then also combining your main gig with a side hustle.
4: So my name is Anthony Bila, otherwise known as The Expressionist, and I work as a director and photographer primarily. And I also have a business called Studio Bila, which is a design and concept agency that helps brands connect to young people in meaningful ways. They're going to benefit both parties. And that is kind of the summation of what I do at its core. I started out in advertising and radio production, uh, working in radio stations like YFM and 5FM. And then I moved over to advertising and I was in advertising for about 10 years and that's saw me play a whole host of different roles at different times. Um, And then at the end of that, I decided to venture out on my own. So it's been uh, a very long journey, a very hard journey, but ultimately very rewarding.
1: Anthony, when you summarize it like that, it sounds like a very logical, almost linear progression. But of course, living it doesn't feel all that smooth and calm. Looking back now, thinking back to the first day of grade one, the first day of high school, your first day at YFM and what the studio felt like and the people you met, you know, and the first day at 5FM. If you had to start and reflect on every stage of your life, what do you think that that journey has taught you thus far? And how has it informed what you do tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that?
4: Well, I mean, yeah, looking back at... um all those firsts that we spoke about, you know, your first day in grade one, your uh, first day of matric and varsity at your uh, professional job, the, the one constant that I can glean from there that has been like a golden thread is adaptability. So um, when I moved from the township to uh, a model C school, uh, I had to adapt. It was adapt or die because the environment was different, the language was different, the people were different. Um, same thing uh, as... Uh, as you would experience, I guess, in moving into a high school is that you're meeting completely new people uh, in your first job. The thing that you studied uh, in varsity is not the thing that you're applying necessarily. So in all those instances, adapting And understanding your environment and almost being a chameleon um, has been my strongest um, asset or or skill because it's meant that I could navigate and adapt to the environment and the people that I work with. And I think that's something that young people especially are going to have to um, develop more and more because the the, the jobs of the future haven't even been created yet. So if you're studying law and you want to be a lawyer one day, uh, I've read multiple papers saying... Lawyers might become redundant because algorithms are gonna pick up on how to uh, research case law and and reference things a lot more efficiently than a human being would. So it's taking the principles of whatever you're studying or whoever you are and adapting those so that your skill set remains relevant. Um, And that's gonna be true of many industries as we go forward with AI and and algorithms and all that technology that's there. So it's understanding how to apply yourself differently so that you have a bright future or any future at all, really.
1: Wow. Well, that assessment of the future can be very bleak or positive, I guess, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) But talking about adaptability, Very Shaba, you started out studying mechanical engineering and then you had a light bulb moment, which led to you launching out on your own because you're passionate about one very specific aspect of engineering.
5: So back in 2008, there was load shedding. And I remember being at the Volkswagen plant in Newtonhague, and the load shedding happened and everyone sat outside and we were getting paid for doing nothing. And I thought to myself, how is Volkswagen able to pay for all of this? Um, because they were now feeling the brunt of us as a country not having energy. And from there onwards, I always wanted to address what is called the energy trilemma, which looks at energy sustainability, energy security and energy poverty. And I wanted to address that through engineering.
1: That's incredible. Now, as a young woman breaking new ground in the very traditional field of engineering, I imagine you've had to be adaptable, as Anthony explained.
5: I really am not great at taking no for an answer, um, which maybe helps to define me as an entrepreneur, because I would walk into boardrooms and people would look around for the director of Shaba Green Building Design and Engineering, and I'd be like, that's me. Um, And you almost have to constantly change the status quo because I don't look like a mechanical engineer in South Africa. Um, And so I think that my ability to just pursue what I see as the vision of the business and my inability to hear the noise, to hear the rumors, to hear the whispers, um, to see the doubt, and just to be very focused on the end goal Undefinable to me means someone who is unable to be fit in a particular mold, someone who's constantly breaking barriers, constantly changing the status quo, um, causing paradigm shifts everywhere they go. And I believe that there are a lot of people in the industry which I'm in who are undefinable because we're creating things that don't exist. 10 years ago, one could not study to be a green engineer. And 10 years ago, I did not even think I would be an entrepreneur. I had the route all planned out. I was gonna hand in my CV, work in a business. Um, And here I am now. And so what I believe undefinable is, is that you're constantly, constantly challenging the status quo and creating something that has not existed before.
1: So it's also about defying and redefining stereotypes. Because it means that neither age nor gender defines
5: what I do. In my business as well so a lot of the times people get a bit put off by themselves in terms of their age and in terms of their gender and they ask can I sit in that boardroom and my answer is that credibility can get you into every boardroom
1: Ooh, I love that wow that that should be on a t-shirt it doesn't
5: matter about your age it doesn't matter about your race about your gender about your nationality about your culture as long as you are excellent at what you do no one can dispute that and that's been a lesson that I've had to learn with my business whether I liked it or not because I already walk in the boardroom and I'm minus 10 Um, and so what I learned is that always be a step ahead and always have credibility in terms of what you provide your clients and that's helped me make my decisions in the business
1: And what about the rest of you? Kamini Patha, you studied commerce and then your foodie dreams took over and you won MasterChef. And now you have a healthy food delivery business. What advice do you have for your fellow millennial entrepreneurs? My fellow millennials,
3: I feel like this generation is all about uh, carving the path for creative careers, which I completely 100% support and, and I'm a product of that. I do think that within that, sort of gathering knowledge around business skill and business acumen and business language is incredibly important. And as much as you can follow a creative career, you do need to have some understanding of the business world as well to be able to take whatever product it is to market. So I think advice for millennials, specifically those wanting to see career, uh, like creative careers, is just have some idea of the rest of the business world and, and how you plan to navigate it and have that plan to take your creative thing Um, and and share it with the rest of the world.
1: And Dr. Nogu Kanya Kanyile, the last word goes to you, advice to your fellow millennials, some wisdom that you've picked up on your journey.
0: The one thing I find about my life and one thing that I've noticed about it is that I went to a public school. I received a bursary from the Gauteng Department of Health. I went to a university that I applied for, just like anyone else, and I happened to get in because I worked really hard at school. It was difficult because there were some times where I wanted to also bunk school and I also wanted to go to those parties and I also wanted to do those things. But there was something inside of me that said you're called for something greater. And if you recognize that there is something that you want to do, even if you don't know what it is right now, and you hold steadfast to that, you can just like me, who was a girl in a public school who got a bursary from the housing department of health and now has changed her life and not just hers, but other people. The blessings that happen to you can cause you to be a blessing to other people and never take that for granted because at the end of the day, you don't know what you're gonna do in the future, but you can only do something today, right now and just choose better for yourself. Choose better for yourself. Mm, I don't think we can end
1: it off on a better note. Thank you all. Please join us again for the fourth and final episode when we check in with our Undefinables on how they see the future. So join me, Ulisani Ravere, for the final episode in the Ahead of the Curve podcast series, The Undefinables, proudly brought to you by Investec Private Banking.
3: The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken
5: as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.